The key to a successful business isn't just plans, strategies, and profit margins. It isn't just mission, vision, your big dreams for the future, or how you communicate to your ideal clients. It's not just your product suite, your pricing, your sales, or being the person who takes decisive action. It isn't even just nervous system regulation, expanding emotional capacity, and enhancing your communication skills. And it's definitely not just faith, manifestation, vibes, intuition, and magic. The key to a successful business is bringing all of these components together and knowing which one you need when. Nature thrives when all of the elements are in balance. So do you your business. This is the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast, where we discuss the earth, air, fire, water, and spirit elements of building a thriving, successful, creative business. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. Thank you, as always, for being with me today. Before I dive into this very exciting episode, our last episode of Cancer Season, I want to talk with y'all real quick about something I have coming up. So I posted a lot of polls on social media asking people, maybe some of them were you, what they know about launching in business. And the results were really interesting. A lot of people said that they know that launching is different from just announcing something, but they don't exactly know how. Most people said that they have not tried to launch anything in their business. Some people have said that they've posted and announced things, but they haven't gotten the sales results that they were hoping for, and they've been frustrated by it. A couple of people said they do know what launching is, and they've done launches in their business, but they don't have a system for launching that they love and that they find launching really stressful, really tiring. By the time they get to the point the point where their cart is open, they're already tired and they don't feel like showing up on social media anymore. I got a lot of really valuable feedback that launching is an area that people are struggling. And I think that live launching is really important, especially if you're not running paid ads in your business and you don't have a big list already. How are you going to bring people in and educate them about your work and what you do and what you have on offer and whether or not it can help them or benefit them? That's what we need launching for. And if you just launch once, right, say launch once every six months or once a year, for most of us, that's not enough to financially sustain our business because we make a handful of sales, we serve that offer, and then that money is gone and we're back to the drawing board. Launching really needs to be a very regular occurrence in your business. We need new customers and new pathways for people to purchase from you happening all the time. And in order to do that, what really makes that possible is having a system for launching that is easy, reliable, repeatable. It helps you organize all of your launch content and material. And then every time you relaunch a product, 
you just tap into all of the launch content you already created, repurpose it, change the dates, and launch it all again. It can be really simple, really easy, really effective, and it can allow you to constantly be putting out offers that draw new customers into your business if you have a system you love. And I do. It's called Elemental Launch Alchemy. I created it. I taught it last year. If you were around last year, maybe you heard about it and decided not to join us last year, but we're doing it again. So if you heard about it last year and you didn't, I hope you jump on it this year. If you're brand new to hearing about it, I hope you check it out. I teach Elemental Launch Alchemy as a live, done-with-you experience. So it's not a pre-recorded course. We're going to come together live, and it's a pretty intense, quick and dirty, messy, imperfect action process where we meet three times a week over the course of four weeks, and I will help you build a launch and schedule it all out. I'll give you copy feedback. I'll give you customer journey feedback. Feedback. I'll give you product and pricing feedback. I will help you build a launch that you can then use in your business over and over again. And the more you launch, the greater your return on investment will be. So I really hope you join us for Elemental Launch Alchemy. We are starting on July 27th and it will run until August 24th. The complete schedule is on the landing page. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's fun, it's fast. It's not very expensive, and it will be a resource that you will use in your business all the time. It is exactly what I use to launch. There is no mystery. There's nothing I do different. Every single template, copy template, swipe file, calendar, schedule, everything that I give you in Launch Alchemy is exactly what I use in my business, and I'm just giving it to you to use too. It really makes it easy to have everything First of all, to build it and next to keep it organized in a way that allows you to launch and keep your energy high, let it be fun, let it be easy and bring customers into your business. It works. Okay. It just works. So Elemental Launch Alchemy, July 27th to August 24th. Come get in the room with me. Let me help you. We're going to get this together. That is all of my announcements. Thank you for listening. Go check out the link after you listen to this amazing episode with Amanda Chase. Thanks for being here. Hello, beautiful friends. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited, as always, that you're here. Uh, I need to come up with new words. I always say I'm excited. I'm I'm elated. I'm enthused. I'm over the moon. I'm overjoyed today <laughs> because Amanda Chase is here on the show with us today. Amanda Chase is the founder of Substance, a platform for visionary women creating the life of their dreams. For the past 20 years, she's been on a mission to impact the world of female visionaries and providing for them the resources she wished she had when she was first starting her journey to creating her dreams. She has gained invaluable experience through working with world-class fashion and wellness brands, helping them create the brands and content of their dreams. And now she's creating a platform to support all the women out there who are on that same mission. She's based in LA and travels around the world for creativity, play, and connection. Amanda, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. 
It's so great to have you, everyone. Amanda is a friend of the show, friend of friend of the, me, <laughs> and um, I. Well, wait, before I dive into what I want to chat with you about today, the girlies will want to know your sun, moon, and rising and your human design. Yeah, so I am a 5-1 manifester. So I got, uh, I love research and I love to learn how to do new things and teach people. That's my 5-1. And then the manifester is initiating new into the world and blazing trails and also trying to inform so that I don't disrupt everyone around me. Um, <laughs> and my son is Sag, my moon is Aquarius, and my rising is Leo. Ooh. It's a lot of fire. A lot of fire. Air and fire. She's a combustible one. <laughs> yes. A lot of air and fire. Yes. yes. So... One thing that I think about when I think of you, Amanda, and for everyone out there listening, is even if you don't think you know Amanda's work, you probably do, because you have been the guy behind the guy for a <laughs> lot of, if you're in the wellness or spirituality world, like there's a, a lot of brands out here who are iconic brands that people think of when they think of this industry and they may not know you were the creative genius behind the aesthetic the look the feel of these brands and you've been doing that for a long time so i guess my first question is i'd love for you to share how you got into branding and design and kind of like what your first business journey was absolutely i'm so excited to share this part of my life so um for the past seven years i've been running a content creation studio called Ocean, and it's spelled O-S-H-E-N. And that was how I got to work with all of the wellness and conscious entrepreneurs that I've been supporting. Um, I have, it's always been a content creation studio. And within that, there's so many different like creative expressions and definitely branding and design. And I call it the like expressing a brand's essence, um, like the the core of what, if anyone's like familiar with like the Akashic records and like what our soul is like meant to be and do, I believe I try to do that for brands. I try to, they call, every client of mine has called me like the creative doula because I help them just like birth their ideas out into the world in a way that's very authentic and true to that brand and also very true to that person. And so my process is very intuitive. Um, I have a very sensitive, witchy side, and I also have a very um, kind of brass tacks creative side. And my journey for branding and creative direction started actually when I was really young. I was like um, a very, a very big into writing and very big into mood boarding and creating vision boards and that became a passion and obsession. And that's what led me on my path to going to uh, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. When I was 20 years old, I went after, or 22 years old, I went after I got a degree in psychology. So it was kind of my second degree. And that's where I learned the fundamentals of like color theory and Photoshop and InDesign. And it was a one year fast track course that was really, I, I learned so much, but I also think that 
it catapulted me into the world of experience. And experience is really where I gained all of my knowledge for being able to do branding and creative direction for all of these brands. It was through my, you know, I think at the time I did, I was from 22 to 27. So five years of intense just being the intern, being the assistant, being like the behind the scenes of like the behind the scenes of behind the scenes of like I was taking out trash. I I mean, and I do, and I mean, and I, what I mean by that is um, I didn't have this like kind of glamorous start of just being like, I'm an art director. Here I am. It was like, no, no, it was the complete opposite. I really had to work hard for that. Um, and I wasn't even good at first. I was not really that great, but I learned a lot through my experience. And that's also the five one. Um, so by the time I started my own company at 27, I offered I offered branding and creative direction services to my clients as a uh, as a way to kind of help them express their essence. And so it's a long-winded story of how I got to that place, but um, that was the, the beginning roots. That's so beautiful. And I think there are so many really important things in there that I want to like kind of just highlight for folks. The first is like, I think it's so tempting for creative business owners, especially, to see people online and kind of assume that they started there. Mm -hmm. and, and then to use that projection or assumption to feel badly about or try to avoid their own I always call it like being an apprentice to your own work, like your own taking out the trash period, your own internship. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. there is no one out there for the most part who has skipped that phase. Like we all need to like cut our teeth, do shitty jobs, have like rough experiences, be in the background. Like we kind of all need to have that period where we are learning and growing and doing kind of grunt work. And I do think that online business has perpetuated a kind of myth that you can somehow skip that part. Yeah. And you really can't. Yeah. <laughs> and the more willing you are to like, not just not skip it, but really embrace that part and be like, oh, like something I love about beginnings, and I think about this a lot, is like we only get this part once. And in the beginning stages of something new, like even when it's hard and challenging and you're making mistakes and your ego feels challenged, like to be in the sweetness of like, we only get this part once. Once once all these firsts have happened, they've happened. Once you've had your first client, it's happened. Once you've had your first whatever, like financial milestone month, it's happened. Like the, the grit in the firsts is really special and sweet and beautiful. And so like not trying to, to jump the line. And then when I do know people who have like <laughs> lied their way into a big job or been catapulted into a position they weren't prepared for, it's not as glamorous as it seems because you're really scared and unprepared. Absolutely. Yes, I have definitely been in those situations and really like 
pushed, they, they really push you. And then you really start to realize, do I want to be pushed that way? Am I, am I going into something that I feel like I should be doing? Or is this really something that I want to be doing? And I think the, I really jumped into things very fast when I was younger. Um, and I've had a lot of health issues that have put me on a different path to start to slow down and be more mindful about my decisions. I think it has something to do with like maybe this like manifest your energy of just like, you know, like catapulting into things. Um, and so although there is like catapulting happening, I've learned to go back to my intuition, go back to my grounding, go back to my body, like these somatic practices to kind of get me in my body to make sure that, you know, the next step is really truly in alignment. And that's, I think, um, what's really powerful about when you do accidentally go into these things that aren't right, you start to really tr- like think about, at least for me, I start to think about, was that really for my highest good? Or, or like, was I wanting to do something because I thought I needed to, you know, you really start to build these trust muscles with ourselves. I love that about probably all of life, but particularly for me, I've really um, learned that lesson through my creative efforts of just being like, tuning back into me and like what's true to me. And I didn't have that when I first started by any means. <laughs> so I've had to learn it over the past. I've been in you know, working on my career now for about 14 years. So yeah, it's really cool. And I, and I think you're right with the, the digital world and just the view that like anybody can start their own business and this is what I do with my coaching now is, and I really support people to be like, all right, how do we really build the business that really aligns with you as opposed to what you think you have to do? Um, and it's like a, a bit of a, an intuitive process with that as well, but it, uh, it's a really beautiful way to really make sure that what we're building is from like our own essence and like our true self too. And I think that makes a big difference too. And these are all things that I had to learn. I built a business that I thought I needed to build. It grew and then it crashed and burned. And I was like, wait, I got to go back to the drawing boards and really figure out how to build something sustainable. And that sustainability comes from really tuning into like our gut and being like unapologetically being like, I don't want to do this. And I do want to do this. And although it's a bit scary at first, leaning into the all the things that we're really good at is what's going to really bring us the most satisfaction and joy and fulfillment. I think again, a bit of a tangent. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's so valuable. And like what I find is, is really challenging for a lot of people on that idea of like building the thing you think you're supposed to build. And I actually have like a question that I think ties this back to branding too, but like for so many people, even the framework that says I am like clear on what I want and I'm allowed to pursue what I want is pretty revolutionary because I do think a lot of folks struggle with knowing what they want versus what they think they're supposed to want, right? Like what I was told to want, what I was told would be successful, what my parents told me I was going to do, what teachers told me I was going to do versus what I personally really want. And like, then the other part of it is like how often people are like, 
they don't even finish the sentence of I want blank before they're start they're starting to explain what they would settle for or why they couldn't have it. Like, oh well I really want to like only have one high ticket client, but I couldn't do that because that's not realistic. Well, like, no, pause. If that's what you really want, let's build a business model where that's how it works. Like that's the whole point of being in business for yourself. It can look like anything you want it to, but most people like don't even think they're allowed to fully pursue what they want or they have all of these layers of like that's unrealistic mm-hmm. on top of what they want. So just being able to get to naming it, claiming it, and then being like, oh, I'm allowed to build that or go after that or pursue it. Like that's a big deal. It is a really big deal. Very empowering. Like I see both sides to it. I could see the um, the fear side of that. And I can also see the excitement. And it's really, you know, what I always come back to is like for me, for example, I, my journey was that I needed to go through all of these stages and phases of my business to get all of the experience again in the five one um to really become confident at doing the thing that i really really wanted to do if i really look back at my 14 years of being in the you know in different roles and different careers and different business ideations it was all really leading me up to this moment and what's really interesting is I had a vision at like 15 years old that I wanted to make a magazine and I wanted to be the creative director for a magazine, like a platform, right? But it it took me all of these years of getting the experience for me personally to be confident to even know what like my version of XYZ is going to look like. And I think that there's just not enough conversation and um maybe maybe there is maybe i just i haven't found it but i love the idea of just being like that was that 15 years was necessary for my journey whereas some people they don't need those 15 years and that's when you see like the the 20 year olds that are like super successful and like doing their thing and then you see like the people at 50 and 60 who are then doing their thing and i love the ability for us to just start to be like, there's no timeline of success. And that really stunted me for a while because during those years in my twenties and early thirties, um, I always was like, oh, I'm never going to get to my dream. Cause I'm not doing it right now. Or I'm never, you know, it was like, I really had a hard time seeing the light at the end of the tunnel when I was so deep in doing the work that I needed to gain that experience. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard when like the time like the timeline might not be what we want it to be. Yeah, I used to have a lot of um I think for me like I've had a a strange like life trajectory in terms of work because I started working so young. I didn't go to high school. I was like working during my teenage years. And so there are ways that I started way ahead of other people but artistically i always had this feeling of like what i really wished i had was like i kind of wished i had stage parents like i kind of wished i had parents who were like 
my kid's a star and we're going to move to LA because she wants to like be in performing arts or like if I had gotten to go to like school of the arts or something like that, like if I had had like, when I saw people in their teens and twenties who were really doing their artistic careers in a big way, who had parents that put time, energy, effort, resources behind their, um, their training, their connections. Like, you know, when you hear about families who are like, you know, I wanted to act and I had promise. And so when I was 12, my parents moved our whole family to LA so that I could be going to auditions or something like that. Like I kind of wished I had that. Now they have other problems a lot of the time, (laughs) but I did go through a long period, especially I think in my twenties and thirties where I had some feelings of like, I had to be focused on things that made money and took care of me financially instead of getting to focus on my art and creativity and wondering like what my life would have been like if I had had like a lot of support when I was younger around because I've always known I wanted to be in the arts I've always like done music and wanted to be in like all the school plays and like all, all the dance classes like I've always been that and so yeah it's weird when you start to be like no this there is um I think that's in elemental terms, that's the spirit side, right? Like having genuine faith that your path is supposed to be your path and the way that you get to your stuff is what, right? That like that dance with like what's destiny, what's fate, what's meant to be, what's the the trust of like what's for me won't miss me. I had to have these experiences in this order at this time. It was all meant to go this way. I don't think I really clicked into that feeling until I was like, 36. <laughs> yeah, that is something I I think about kind of often. I'm like, so there's free will and then there's, you know, I've had like a, a, a plant journey, like kind of experience where I saw that I chose my parents, I chose what I looked like, I chose certain, like I chose this like almost predetermined life based on these lessons that I wanted to learn. And so I'm like, wait, how does this all work? How does, how did I, like, if I'm in my plant journey medicine, spiritual thing, have the awareness of that's what this trajectory of this type of life is going to have. And then how do I free will? How does that play into all of this? I don't know the answers to it. I don't think there is an answer to it. I was just kind of saying like, I think about that often. Like how do, yeah. Is it predetermined? It's destiny. Is it free will? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting because like that is the root of most um, like a Sheshe West African religious beliefs um, that you you choose, they would call it your head, like you choose your head before you come here, you choose everything about this life before you get here. And so I, there are a lot of ways that I believe that too. And then of course, like, what I think is that we forget, like that the process mm-hmm. of being born, like creates amnesia. <laughs> So you like get down here and you forget that you picked all this and then you spend the rest of your life remembering. Yeah, that's what I, I, I do you know Dolores Cannon, the, I think I she's not. Like a, a medium of some sort. I listen to her a lot and that's what she yeah, says. But then we get, we're born and then we don't remember what our lessons are here to do, what we're here to do on earth. And we're like kind of meant to figure that out along the way. Um, so yeah, 
I love this. Okay, so let me jump back and double click on a thing that I wanted to highlight before because we breezed past it so casually. You said, I built a company and then it was successful and then it crashed and burned. Mm -hmm. And now you're in a process of starting something new. And I love these kinds of conversations. Uh, you, the people who listen to this know when you have friends on the show, like it's like this spider webbing conversation that's like back to the thing we were talking about 20 minutes totally. ago. Totally. Um, one of the main reasons I asked you to come on was because I, I really wanted to talk about that intersection of building something. I haven't heard you say in those words that it crashed and burned before, but I would like you to talk about that and then starting something new because I think that it takes so much bravery and I think that that like pivoting when you've had success, I think is one of the things when people are starting in business, they're actually the most afraid of. Mm-hmm. It's like, what if, what if I do this and then it doesn't work? Or what if I do this and it does work, but then I want to do something else? Like, I think there's like, it's like marriage. People are like, oh God, <laughs> like, what if I start this business and, and we get divorced? But even scarier, what if I start this business and it's great? And then 10 years from now, I have a midlife crisis and I want to date people. What do I do? <laughs> I love this topic so much. So I love tell us it about the crash and okay. tell us about how you weathered the crash. Yeah. So ocean as a, as a business that I've been the founder and head of the facilitator of is really how I like to describe my role within ocean as a business is ocean really teaches me and teaches everyone that comes into it. The, the universal law and the beauty of death and rebirth. I have learned that lesson so deeply within ocean um, from both being in it and physically just things that I've had that have had to die and be reborn within my life, as well as things within the business. And so a really great and what I like to say about the death and rebirth process and what I've learned through these seven years of multiple deaths and rebirths is that I've come to the realization that we just as nature evolve and our businesses have to evolve with us and with evolution comes uncomfortability. If you think about a hermit crab needs to go find a bigger shell to grow into, it's the same kind of process. And that journey of being out of one shell and moving into the other, if we think about the hermit crab, is a very scary and vulnerable place. And that's essentially what we're doing time and time and time again in our lives, whether it's a business, whether it's a relationship, whether it's our personal development, healing, you know, it never ends. And that's really what Ocean as a brand has shown me and uh, taught me. So I'm very grateful for that. And how that looked like um, in my business was I first started in 2016, August 1st, 2016. I started freelancing for holistic wellness brands and just consulting. I would help them make a content calendar. I'd help them make social media assets, newsletter assets. I was their content creation person. Uh, 
that took off like rocket fuel um, because I came from the fashion industry. And so my uh, processes, my expertise coming from the fashion industry in New York City was top of the top of the top. Like I had been groomed, so to say. I had just had so much teachings and lessons of like, you only deliver the best of the best content to these people, uh, you know, heads of of departments, VPs, SVPs, senior vice presidents, like you don't deliver something unless it's like perfect. And that's what I learned through my fashion career. I took that same teachings into the wellness space. And back then, nobody was doing content creation for wellness brands at that level. So we're delivering like high top of the world, like world-class deliverables for wellness brands. Before then, there was a lot of DIY, a lot of like um, kind of crunchy green brands, like that just didn't have like a brand essence. It didn't have like much style, but it was trending. It was really on the cusp. It was really when wellness brands started to implement like this fashion essence, like we can think of outdoor voices and uh, other brands like that, that were starting to have this like beautiful aesthetic mixed with the wellness. So I kind of came in right at that time, which is luck, right? That is uh, that is being there at the right time with the right experience. Like luck is like preparation plus timing. And so that's that. And, you know, I couldn't plan that. I, I, no one knew that that was going to happen. And that's where luck really comes into the equation because, um, we need that sometimes for success of things. And I would be like, I would not be true if I didn't say that that was a piece of the puzzle of the success was that component of luck right then and there. It was a timing, a zeitgeist kind of moment. Um, then I started to, this is when like um, e-courses and digital online course, uh, training started to become very new and very popular. And I was, uh, I was working with um uh, Lindsay Mack, who's a uh, founder of Tarot for the Wild Soul. She's an incredible trauma-informed intuitive tarot card reader. And at this time, she had a really engaged following. She still does to this day. And we wanted to put her teachings into her first online course. And so we worked with each other in Brooklyn for four months and launched her e-course. That created so much success for her in the sense that she could really go from having a one-on-one -on -one business to being able to launch a course that's multiple figures big and then be able to work, you know, not have to do the one-on-ones every day for nine hours a day. And she was really able to change her life and her lifestyle in a way that like was in the direction that she wanted. And then basically after that, she referred me to her friends that were all in the holistic wellness space and then that's where the ripple effect of, oh, wow, content creation can change and grow my business in ways that I didn't even expect. And that's really where my business took off. And I was, you know, with Lindsay Mack, a lot of the people, same within our industry, it's like we, we know similar people in our industry and same with her. So she just kind of passed me along to all these other 
very successful holistic wellness practitioners to change their business model. I did that for two years and I completely neglected my signs of burnout of, I always talk about this time. Um, I started to hire people because I started to get so many inquiries and I was at this time in my life, just, I had never made more than $40,000 a year, all in my careers in fashion and, and all that, like I never made much money and I was living in New York city. So every, I mean, I had no extra spending money. I didn't oh, even have money to save in New York city. You're like well below the poverty line. Oh, it <laughs> was not money. <laughs> you can, it like, was... so like rent is $3,000 for a closet. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, I was, it was so hard to make money and to like anything. So once this business started to take off, I did not decline work because I couldn't even, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm making more money than I made like in a whole year and like a month. I'm like, I just kept saying yes and yes and yes and yes. And even if it was clients that were red flags and I didn't even know what a red flag client was at the time. So I'm going to give myself a little bit of grace, right? These are all things. I was so young. I was 27, had felt like I was on top of the world because I finally was making money. I was finally making I had autonomy. I remember I'd never been promoted in my five years of being in fashion. I was always the assistant. So I literally went from assistant to entrepreneur and founder overnight. And I just felt seen and it was great. But with that came a huge, like everything starts to blow up when you start to get busy like that. You have to create systems. I didn't have any systems in place. You have to have accounting squared away. I didn't have accounting squared away. I didn't even, I started to make money and I started to spend that money. That's what I did. I was craving to like have things in my life that I hadn't had ever. So I spent a lot of money. I had a lot of overhead. I hired a lot of people. I didn't know how to manage. And these are all things that I thought I was doing to continue to grow and scale my business. The burnout was happening. I started to get physically ill, colds a lot, um, really exhausted, really that burning both ends of the stick, you know, waking up early, staying up late to just try to keep up. And the crash and burn happened in January of 2019. I had gotten intuitive hit two months prior. So November of 2018, I remember my body telling me, you need to start taking some time and like exercising for yourself. Like I didn't have, and my, my limiting beliefs at the time were, I don't have time to work out because I'm running a business. I don't have time. Two months later, I was in Mammoth and I was skiing and I tore my ACL. And that's when the crash and burn happened because I had never had a serious injury like that, that required surgery that required me to slow down. And what had happened was the injury happened and I had like work, a workshop in person. And I, I was now in, in Los Angeles. I moved to LA in Mar Vista with like 15 women. I didn't cancel that. I had a retreat that I was hosting in February, the next month in Oceanside, um, that I was hosting and I didn't stop any of that. I just said, we're going to keep 
things going. Nobody's slowing down here because remember, I had all of these high expenses. And the last thing I could do is start to decrease my workload and decrease my income coming in. And so I kept going and kept going, kept going, kept going. Well, when you keep going and you're in chronic pain, do you, do, you, do you know what happens? You get real angry. You get real pissy. You get really unhappy, you know, because you're not able to rest. You're not able to heal. I wasn't, I go into my PT and my doctor's appointment and they're like, you're not healing. Like at six months, they're like, you should be running. I'm like, I can barely walk. And they're like, well, Amanda, if you don't prioritize your healing, you're never going to be able to run again in your life. Like that you have to do this right now. And that was the wake up call to being like, I got to shut down my business. And that shutdown for the first time was terrifying because I had spent, I was so afraid of looking like I failed because my whole life, everybody like didn't believe in me, didn't see my vision. This is like the first time I was like doing my own thing. And that fear of showing people that I would fail or I needed to pivot or I needed to change things or scale down was my worst nightmare. And now I'm at a position where I literally, if I want to walk again and run and have a physically active life again, I have to stop. And that was, I was in a really deep depression at that point. I was really like mad going through all the different stages of grief of what that looked like. I remember I lost a lot of friends at that time, just because I, when you also have chronic illness, you just don't have capacity for a lot of other people. So I just, the only people I saw were people that could come to me. And I really started to learn who my friends were. I really started to realize also at this time, like that my clients are not friends, that clients are clients and friends are friends. Uh, because at that time they they were so interwoven that I thought if you're my client and we're texting and chatting and that you're my friend and I really learned that that's not the case. Um, so so many incredible lessons happened during this phase of um, the crash and burn. So the the crash and burn was that I had to let my employees go. I had to downsize my apartment. I had to stop serving as many clients and also stop serving the clients in the way that I was serving them. So at that time I was doing content creation, marketing, um, social media, newsletter, like all that kind of stuff. And I just realized as a manifester, that's too much for me to be doing. And the quality of our work started to go down too, which was really sad for me as well, because I really prided myself on being like that, delivering the best of the best of the best. That's why people would come to us in the beginning. And then to start to see that the quality of my work was dwindling and that my clients weren't as happy and I wasn't as happy was also really challenging. So 2019 was my year of letting everything go. And I decided in January of 2020 to implement a new business model. Well, we all know what happened two months later in March of 2020, everything shut down. So um, that was also two years period of rebuilding too. 
Um, but that really big crash and burn was 2019. And so I got a, a whole year of what that means and looks like. And what I learned from that year is implemented every single day into my business. I have a lot more balance. I have a lot more flexibility with being like, I think something is off. Let me change it right now, as opposed to ignoring it, which I was doing before. Yeah. The analogy that I always use was that I felt like I was on a train and the, the, like the, the nails of the wheels were kind of flying off one at a time. And I kept driving the train to the point where all the wheels had literally like just popped off all at once. And I was at a standstill. I want to hop in here for folks listening and just say that like what Amanda has just shared with us is in elemental entrepreneurship terms, like the most textbook portrait of a fire dominant entrepreneur. And um, it is something that I see a lot. And I think that um, as a as a coach, my the majority of my one-on-one -on -one clients when people come to me are in the position you were in i would say like maybe just like three days before the acl tear like there are people who are like okay i didn't plan for this to be as big as it is i just started right so like the fire dominant person isn't afraid to start. They're not afraid to just go, which is like a gift because a lot of people on the other side, like the water dominant entrepreneur is my other main private client where they're just like, I have too many feelings about starting to let myself start. I'm too scared. I'm too overwhelmed. I'm too perfectionistic to start. The fire dominant person will just go. I was a fire dominant person. It's the thing of like, I'm just trying to do my thing and make money but I didn't plan to start a business. So I never put any foundations in place. I didn't I didn't start with contracts and systems and like I did I wasn't doing any of that. I just somebody asked me if I could do something, I said yes and then like it took off and now I have built this castle on sand and there you know like like you said spending and bringing money in and that the scariest thing the second scariest thing, because I think you did outline the scariest thing for most fire dominance, which is this thing falling apart altogether. The second scariest thing is knowing that in order to put a foundation underneath what you've built, you're going to purposefully have to slow down. You're going to take probably a cut in income for a little while while you focus internally on your business rather than focusing on scaling, serving clients, and continuing to grow and make sales. Um, and it is such a... Like whenever someone comes to me before the burnout, like before the all the way crash happens, I'm so proud of them because most fire dominant entrepreneurs have to... like. Burnout is in the name. Like, that's what fire does. Like, you're like, I'm going to blaze until there are no blazes left. And then I don't even have the energy to feed myself. And I everything has completely fallen apart. It's such a common portrait of a certain type of creative business owner. We're like, 
I never planned for it to get this big and now here we are and I literally don't know how to stop it before it just self-destructs. And so yeah. I guess I want to say if you're out there listening and you're like, oh shit, that's me right now, please call me <laughs> <laughs> like before you, before you hurt yourself. Because yes. as we all know, like what's that saying? Like God will send a pebble, then a boulder, then a bus. Like life yes. will make you sit the fuck down if you ignore mm-hmm. the signs for too long. And there are people out here who will help you before the bus hits you as yes. long as you're willing to ask for the help. Uh, yes, totally. So when you when you decided to change your business model, um, I guess, like, I'm like, how do I ask this question? There was still something in you, right, in the midst of depression and everything shutting down that didn't say, I guess I'm going to go get a job. I give up. You still Mm -hmm. were like, oh, no, I'm still going to stay in business. I'm just going to change it. What do you think that was? I I think what that was um, was I had that glimmer, that initial why of why I started this, which was to make the magazine a long, long time ago. That was always in the back of my mind and that I was going to do one day. And the pivot in 2020 was like, oh, well, maybe I need to start creating content. Like I'm the content creator to teach people how to make a content calendar and how to do branding essence. So I thought that my, my next endeavor was that I thought it was, Oh, well, maybe I should start teaching people what I do. Uh, Maybe that's this magazine concept coming through and um, I couldn't be more wrong. Yay. (laughs) I spent two years doing that and it was pulling teeth. It was like, uncomfortable. It didn't feel right. It felt forced. And I kept trying for a long time. Um, and just as I've gotten older, um, I've had a lot more, my, my spiritual side has really become activated and really where I go for my guidance as opposed to my mind, which is where I was really in my twenties. And where my intuition has led me is um, where what I'm doing now with substance, which is I'm allowing myself to let go of the need to teach people how to make the business of their dreams. And I'm really leaning into, well, how do I help people create the life, like the, the friendships, the physical health, the mental health, the spiritual health, And so that is now what substance is about is a platform to kind of help them create this, their own version of what a life of substance is. And I, I couldn't feel more free with that type of um, offering to the world. And I've really been in a deep spiral of like another portal in these past six months when I've been trying to keep doing my client work, which my clients are all incredible, but I've just, I've 
evolved from being a service provider. And instead, I just want to make make this content, make this platform. So that's a long way of saying uh, I thought it was that magazine concept. But why I mentioned it's like it was hard. It didn't come easy. It wasn't flowing and it wasn't in alignment. And I, I had to learn that. I had to go through that for two years to be like, this still isn't it. And then that kind of led me to being like, all right, well, Amanda, what if you let go of the business side? Can you, can you, do you feel free? Does it feel in alignment? Does it flow? And that's all yes. So that's why I'm moving into substance now and completely closing the doors on the seven year of ocean. And as it's been, and I, I, you know, the teachings of ocean will still carry in into substance, but that chapter and the, and the ending of that business is, is coming to a close on July 15th. So, yeah. I love that we've gotten here. And so first I want to just like, I want to, I want to honor you and say that even being willing to ask yourself that question, like, what does it feel like to let go of this is so brave because I think that those are the types of questions that a lot of people avoid. Mm-hmm. Like like what it would mean for me to allow myself to consider, is this over? Is like yeah. too devastating to consider. And so I think, you know, I always talk on the show, especially about how um, business and relationships, right? Because they're all sacral chakra. Like it's like the mm-hmm. same kind of thing. Like it's the same thing as allowing yourself to ask like, is my marriage over? Is this chapter complete and not in a terrible way? Not because Mm -hmm. either of us are bad, but like this served what it was meant to serve and it will always be an important part of my journey. And it's time for something else. I think is like many people go, go on for years with Mm -hmm. this little irritation somewhere deep down Mm -hmm. in their soul, like this door, they won't let themselves open because all of the flood of things the picture i just had in my head was like a sitcom like a closet full of tennis balls like if i open this door like the flood of things i will have to confront and consider about myself are so scary that i will not let myself even look at the question what would it feel like for this to be over yeah and what that reminds me of is why i think i am really unapologetic about like really questioning, like, does this really make me happy really stems from, I had a very, very, very unhappy childhood. Like that I I lived 18 years of my life in complete unhappiness. I didn't even know, like, I remember I was 18 and I watched a movie where I saw someone embody a sense of happiness. And it was the first moment I remember being conscious and being like, I've never felt that like genuinely have never felt that sense of happiness. And I made it my life's mission to figure out what it was going to be to be happy. And so I've already spent the first 18 years of my life living in what I would call a deep state of depression and unhappiness. And I think when you've, and I, you know, as a kid, you don't have the tools and resources or the individuality or the independence to change whatever's happening in your life. 
you're subject to where you live, what your parents do, what you eat, what your parents feed you, what if if you even have parents, like it's it's all happening to you. And so this idea that I got to choose when I turned 18, it was when I got to get up, get out of my house and start to go to college. It was the first time I was like, well, I'm going to consciously make sure that I don't stay in that point. So I think that for me, that's been why I'm so able and like brave because I'm just like, well, I already know what it's been like to live my life in hell. I already know what that's like. So it can't be worse than that. And so I might as well keep trying to find the thing that does find me the happiness. And also another layer of that is like, I started, it's like, I kept asking myself, why is this so hard? Why is everything so hard? And it's like, it was, it's not forcing something that's not meant to be. And so I just got tired of that, you know, of like that pushing of, and like having no success, like those two years from 2020 to 2022, I like made no money because I, it just wasn't right. The way, even when I prepare my workshops, I'd be so stressed. I'd be so anxious. I wouldn't be prepared. It was just like, those were all the signs for me that it wasn't right. And so I've gotten you know, I had a health thing as well this past six months that also was like, well, you're tapped out, Amanda. You don't have the the capability of doing what you're doing anymore from a physical standpoint. So you really got to change if you're going to thrive. I mean, my, my lack of motivation has been so bad this past winter, this spring and winter, my depression was really bad. I had hormonal imbalances and like, there was the first time in my life that I also had PTSD, which I didn't really know how to manage. And I just was letting my life go. Like I started to go in the red of like, I know I need more clients. I'm just going to put on my credit card, put on my credit card, put on my credit card and just a literal sense of whatever. And I was like, Amanda, like come back to earth, honey. Come on, you know, like literally I was on the phone with our girlfriend, Michelle, and who is, is going to be this, like the interim CMO for substance. And I, I just remember tears are falling in my eyes. I'm like, Michelle, I need so much help. Like I need, my soul needs help. Like I need help. I'm, I am drowning and I need so much help. And literally that's where I birthed substance. I said, this is my last fucking Hail Mary. Like I got nothing left. I'm I am at the end of the bank account. I am at the end of my physical health. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, this is my last thing. And I like have chills. Cause it's like, that was maybe this journey to finally get me to the point to be like, fucking make the thing that you wanted to do all this time. That doesn't really make sense to anybody on paper, but you know, in your heart of hearts that there's something there. And it's like, ever since I opened up that Pandora's box, I sent an email on June 1st, I'll never forget, of just being like, this is what I'm going through. I'm ending my business. I'm starting this thing and I need help. Who wants to help me? Is the most engagement I got on a newsletter. (laughs) You know? Yeah, and always I think 
the most vulnerable stuff that we share where we're even like you hit send and you're like I'm gonna throw up and go lay down because I can't believe I said that out loud is always where we get the most engagement like the thing you're like I don't know if I should have said that out loud is always where people are like thank god you said this this helped me just to hear it's amazing so glad I mean you're such a vulnerable like expressive creator as well and like those are the like I want to be around people that move me and that like make stuff that make me go into action and like change things and you're that for me as well with everything that you put out so thank you for being that for us that means so much to me I want to like highlight two things that I'm like I'm probably gonna cry when I even talk about them because hearing you I was like oh there's two things in there forcing versus flowing and what was the other one? Oh god I don't want to lose it um oh what's the definition of success yes that thing of like recognizing when you're forcing something and it's not flowing as being that's because i'm going the wrong direction like i'm trying to swim upstream what would happen if i just let go like what if mm-hmm. instead of trying to fix all these problems i just turn away from the things that aren't working and focus on the things that are i want to highlight that for folks because i think um for a lot of us what happens in those times is that many people are more likely to shift into shame and blaming themselves and being like there's something wrong with me because i can't make this work as opposed to there's nothing wrong with me this is the wrong thing to try to make work Mm -hmm. and so i just want to say for anyone who might be like experiencing that or if you're ever in a period where things are feeling really forced and nothing is flowing and you're beating yourself up inside and going what's wrong with me and why can't I make this happen I'd love to invite you to consider there's nothing wrong with you things what if things should flow what if a sign that you're on the right track is that things are flowing synchronicities are showing up people are coming out of the woodwork to help and that if those things aren't happening it may not be that there's something wrong with you. It may just be that you're like really pushing down the wrong path and you're allowed to turn and go somewhere else. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, for me, for example, I was looking at all of these different business owners who are doing um, online workshops and like had communities and memberships and things. And I saw that they were being successful. And there's definitely parts inside of me that, want to teach as a five one and wanted to have a community. And I think what I had done was I just kind of absorbed their models and put them onto mine without really thinking twice about the execution and if that was really in alignment. And so I think a lot of, a lot of the times we look to other successful businesses um, of other people and think that that's going to be the formula for our success too. Um, and that's what I was doing a lot of the time with the different iterations of my business. And what's funny now is like substance is like I'm birthing a, a, a print magazine in a world where print magazines are dying. You know, it's like that, but that's what I want. That that's that manifest or desire to, to do, you know, what my, what I'm, my gifts are as a manifester is just being like, I know where the future is going. I know where we're going to go. I know we're going to want to slow down in like five years from now. I know the future is in-person communities. I know that the future is analog, like, and I'm doing it now in a time where no one really understands it. And that's the same 
if we think about, I love looking at my patterns, so I'm in therapy. Yeah. Um, if we look back to back in 2016, I was the first one to spearhead this brand new way of like elevating wellness content. So it's like, I, I, if I trust that, if I go with where my gut is going, that's always when I know I'm like on the pulse because that's like what my design is like here to do. And it's when I'm sitting back in fear and in shame and being like, almost like out of scarcity and like desperation of like, oh shit, I need something to work. Let me just pull from what everyone else is doing. That's when I fail. That is absolutely when I fail without a doubt. And I think it's when most people fail. And I think that there's something so like, it's so weird and hard and beautiful and scary and bizarre to be an entrepreneur because like, you know, much like with branding, with trends, like by the time you're noticing a trend and being like, oh, this is what's working, let me do it too, it's on its way out. Yes. Like you can't be responsive and be visionary, be trailblazing, be successful, be cutting edge, be world-class. Like that's not what it is. Like those, the people who are cutting edge, world-class, trailblazers, trendsetters are doing what you're doing. They are doing something that everyone else is looking at and being like, but nobody's doing that. And you're like, exactly. And mm -hmm. it takes so much um, gumption. <laughs> I love that word. Moxie. Oh, like, I love that. A good old fashion, fashion gumption moxie cocktail to I be like, that. yeah, I'm going to do this thing that no one's doing be and it will be successful precisely because no one's doing it. Or, you know, like I, I see and sense something, I, I see a truth that no one else sees and I trust it. And I think that that is so, like that's what we're responding to when we're looking at other people's success. It's not like, I always, when I was teaching dance, I, uh, when I was teaching creative process and choreography, I would always tell people like, there would be people where I'm like, I can tell who your who your influences are because you're basically copycat performers of mm -hmm. your favorite performers. Mm -hmm. And like the best Elvis impersonator in the world is not Elvis. Mm -hmm. Like you are looking at what someone else is doing and being like, that is the formula. If I do that, I'll be successful. But what you're responding to when you see them, what is stirring your heart when you see them is that they are being themselves. You cannot copy that. Like if you copy everything about the end product, it's not gonna get you there. If you can try to tap into the formula that they're using for how they're expressing themselves and you use that and apply it to yourself, you might get closer, but copying their end product is never gonna get you that because what they're doing is just expressing an essence of who they are. Like it's not copyable. Right. Yeah, that's so true. And, and what makes people magnetic and um, successful in their own way is, is that their own radiance. I deeply believe that everyone has their own expression and their own way of like being in the world. And it's, and I think that's what's taken me such a long time to like finally allow all of myself and my pieces to to just be and to be okay with that is like finally when this was able to be birthed out into the world. But yeah, all these other like younger versions of me that just weren't ready, it weren't developed enough, that didn't have enough experience. I was, I have been like, mm, I'm very susceptible to like other people and like, oh, well, that looks like successful and not tuning into me. And I've really learned that I'm 34 
just now like oh okay that's that's what we're doing here and um yeah it's interesting i think we touched on this like definition of success thing too and i just want to like say something about that and then i want you to tell us all about substance um what you shared about your childhood and like what it's like to be like well i already know what it's like to live my life unhappy and i don't want that I think that what we get into there for me is the definition of success. And I feel really similarly, like my definition of success for myself is that I'm happy every day and I enjoy what I'm doing and I wake up looking forward to my life. And I think it's really important for everyone to look at, really get deep with this question, how do you define success for yourself? Because if you're defining success as my business lasts forever, if you're defining success as um, how much money you're making every month, if you define success as, um, I, I don't know, your track record, who you're working with, like some metric of success that was probably handed to you that isn't really your personal metric of success, you do create a situation where your own well-being by definition cannot be a priority within your definition of success. And that's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like. I know for a fact because of my definition of success, I'm happy running my business and I love what I'm doing. I love my clients. I like love all of our projects. I also know that the day that that stops being true, I'll close it because my definition of success is that I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And I know that it's true because I've closed other businesses mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean it's not hard and there's not grief. Like endings are always challenging, but when your goal is that you're enjoying your work and your life, it gives you a lot more freedom to ask yourself those hard questions, like to ask that question of, am I happy? Is this moving me in the direction of my personal fulfillment, my happiness? Like, (laughs) I've made it a really long way in this conversation without blaming everything on capitalism, go me. But like capitalism (laughs) would have us believe that all of the metrics for success are about how much we can self-sacrifice in order to make money or to like play by these metrics of business success. But we were not, we did not incarnate into a human body so that we could like make the most money or take the most clients or have the most meetings. Like that's not, I believe that's not what we're here to do. And so when we define success based on like how we feel, that's I think what allows us to ask ourselves some of those questions and be like, I would walk away from fucking anything to be happy because I'm the only person who has to live in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I couldn't agree more. I actually, I, I in my work, um, I did this even as like an experiment for myself. I had done 16 weeks of wealth consciousness brain training with Nikki Cosmo, who is a trauma informed hypnosis and past life regression practitioner. Um, and, Every year I sit down and kind of make goals for the year and shout out to Michelle Holisticism for her pillars of intuitive business for the business goals. She tends to talk about revenue, growth, retention, and impact. And so I sit down and like plan out my goals for the year with the layer of this wealth consciousness brain training that I learned. I really realized through all of those hypnosis that abundance is is feeling sunshine on your skin. 
It is eating foods that you love. It is a conversation with a friend. It's looking at a hummingbird and like that, that is, it's a very summed down version of like what I learned in those 16 weeks was like, it's actually in the small things like abundance is in these tiny little moments. And so I did a like experiment on myself and my business, December of 2021, going into 2022. And I said, if my metric of success is joy, like being like, that's a state of abundance that I wish to do. How would I fill in the revenue impact growth and retention goals based on that? Oh, everyone write this down immediately. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm like, do I have a wet, uh, workshop on this on my website? Cause I just can't remember if I did a workshop on this or not. And if so, I need we will to make drop one. The link. We will drop the link in the show notes. If it I'll exists. make, I'll, we'll make one. And yeah, cause I need to teach this process to so many people. So basically I use what we've been talking a lot about today of like, okay, well, if joy was my metric, like, would I offer, let's just say analytic, uh, deliverables to my client? No, I wouldn't. Cause that doesn't make me happy. Or would I be doing the marketing assets? No, I'm a little bit over that now. So I really started to like, I call it cherry picking. Like you're putting all of your favorite toppings on a Sunday. That's what I did for my business. So that like everything was just like this juicy bite of deliciousness, like of, of uh, peanut butter cups and butterfingers and like peanut butter, like all of my favorite things. And like, when you have a bite like that, you're happy, you know, and literally to the T everything kind of plan, like worked itself out, like the types of clients I'd have and the flow and, and everything. And that's um, what they call like the metric of success, which is basically what you're saying of like a feeling based thing. And so that's what I do now. And I haven't done this year nearly as meticulous as I had that one year, but I did it as an experiment and it was really fun. And it was really, it really worked. Like when you really start to feel, okay, what does that look like? And really unapologetically just be like, I'm going to get rid of that. And you, you can even say, I'm going to experiment with this. And when we say we're going to experiment with it, it's like, all right, well, let's try it on for six months. And that's for me, a lot less scary than me. Like this is the now future of this. And this is how it has to be all the time. Yeah. And that flexibility is really important for me. Oh, and so many people get caught in that idea of like every choice I make has to be the right choice or the wrong choice, like the binary yes. of like, it must be the right choice forever. It's like, no, that's not, it's not really how life works. It's more like, um, I remember in one of my first coach trainings, they gave us this thing, that, this like kind of graphic that about change where they were like, life is more like a game of cards, right? Like you shuffle, you get dealt a hand, you play the hand you're dealt, you see how it goes, you shuffle and you do it again. Like it's just yeah. this process of, you know, this leads us to this, leads us to this. You and you meet this person, like all of these unfoldings that you just have to like go in knowing that the next choice is going to lead you just to the next choice, not to your forever right or wrongness, whatever that is. Yes. Oh, that's so much pressure so on much ourselves. Pressure. So and tell us about substance. Is. Tell us everything. What is it? I know you've, we keep like dropping. I mean, yeah, we're, we're dropping. Vaccine, but like, <laughs> tell us all the, all the things. What is yeah. substance? Tell us Thank everything. you. Thank you for 
yeah, creating space to talk about it. It's a it's a baby project that's going to be launched on July twentieth, um, and we're having a launch party here in LA of all the local girlies um, to come and and you know celebrate and to start to experience what this is on the twenty second. So if you are in LA, I say, I, DM me um, and let's get you on that list. So Substance is a platform for visionary women uh, creating the life of their dreams. And I usually say, and arriving happy, because that really ties into what we talked about today. Um, And my whole intention of this is to empower women to, through four different avenues. So we have our editorial platform, podcast kind of thing. We have our services, so I still will be doing services just in a completely new capacity, which still hasn't made itself clear to me, but it's starting to make shape. Services, um, activation, so like workshops, retreats, conferences, thinking about like redoing the goop, the goop conference and like the create and cultivates, like we're going that world, you know? Um, and then the last one are products. So this is where the magazine will live. And then like merchandise and kind of like the lifestyle components. Like there's these pieces that I've had in my life forever. Cause I have like a very small capsule wardrobe, but like, I love everything. And so it's like, I want to make like my version of like the cap that I wear from like outdoor board. Like I want like pieces that are like branded and really cool things like that. So those are the four pillars right now within substance, maybe even a fifth one of having like a, like a a hub because my whole world has been like helping incredible female entrepreneurs make incredible digital content. So maybe there's like a house of like substance approved, you know, content to like share with the world. Okay. House of substance. It's got to be the U S yes. I can't wait. And then Michelle like had a vision of like, Michelle Pelazon from Holisticism as her witchy spidey senses with like, I see this being like a pop-up. So we don't know like kind of the like bigger expression of that, but those are the four pillars that I at least know about for now. And it's really to empower women to live their version of what a life of substance means to them. Um, you know, why I got into making content is and like for ocean, for example, the tagline was make something of substance. I don't just like, that's why I think my work really like resonates with so many people. It's like, I don't just come in and like pick out colors out of my ass for you. I don't like, you know, I literally sit with your brand. I'm like, a like I'm in your, the brand's Akashic records. I'm like reading it. I'm intuiting things. I'm channeling things. Like I'm not just making this up off of what I think is beautiful and cool for you. It's literally like birthing something out of like the depths of the earth to like bring to life. So I want to empower, I don't really know where I was going with that, but I want to really empower women that there's, there's a community space. There's a, there's a space where I think people are already doing this individually. There's no doubt that there are women of substance all over. And that's what the podcast is going to be about. And I just want to bring them all together. I want to bring us in a huddle of women because women, we need to heal this feminine wound that we have of of competition and scarcity and uh, like not not support there's just a huge thing of like bringing these women together to be seen to be heard and to help other women 
I don't know that it exists. I haven't found it. And that's why I want to make it. And that's why in-person activations are so important. Cause it's like, we're not just creating a place where you can like go read editorial content and like be inspired. No, no, no. Like I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to talk with you and you're going to know that I'm here for you. And that like, not just me, you got a whole slew of other women that you can talk to and connect with and network. I needed that. I needed that when I was 18 years old and I knew nothing about the fashion industry. I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. I needed help and I didn't know where to find it. So I'm bringing everybody together who's incredible and it's women of substance to help other women. And I'm very discerning. And I'm like, if you, if these aren't the things that you believe in, like supporting women and caring for them and seeing them and hearing them and valuing them, you're not in the club. Like it's a place of like full female support and empowerment, because I believe that women need that in order to feel confident within themselves of like, that I can be who I am and I can do what I want. And that's what substance is about. And so it's just all these different ways of doing that. But that is the intention is to empower women to be more themselves. This is so exciting. I'm so, so happy for you. And I'm so excited for your new venture and for all of us to get to watch this unfold and see where this next phase of your journey takes you and takes all of us because we all get to be a part of watching it all unfold consuming all of the products reading the magazine seeing it all happen and how cool after so many years of bringing your branding genius to so many other people's businesses of course in addition to your own but now to take all of those things and to be able to apply it to a magazine to products to your own creative ventures is like it's such a beautiful step Yes. Thank you so much. I feel really grateful to be at this time in my life and also scared at the same time as, as there's all these dichotomies of grief and sadness of ending and also excitement of birthing new. So yeah, I'm just sitting in all of it and just, uh, taking one step at a time, but thank you so much for having me. And for- where can everyone find you? Where can we yeah. find all the things? Yeah. So right now as oceans, like kind of shutting down the best place to find me is at Amanda L Chase on Instagram. Um, and the website will be launching next month. So I don't have a new website yet to share. So just my Instagram is perfect. Follow me there. It's where you'll kind of, you know, know all the happenings and start to see the unfolding of the birthing of this. Amazing. We will put that link in the show notes. Amanda, thank you so much for being here and everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's our episode for today. Thank you as always for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time. So many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at intuitive edge coaching. Have a great day.